The views expressed on Geeks and Beats are those of the participants alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of their employers. Mm-hmm. So uh, things are good? Things are well? Well, not really. For the first time in quite some time, I am not sitting here with a glass of libation it, because I was on a wine tasting trip yesterday mm. that lasted from 3 o'clock in the afternoon until, uh, well, after 10 o'clock. And uh, I think... Over the course of that time, I think there was 15, maybe 16 glasses of wine. You're supposed to spit it out. No, no, no. This was all part of a, a very cultured thing that involved swallowing whatever you were given. And then we went out to a four-course meal. And, of course, there were two wines at the vineyard that uh, we had before dinner. And then each of the four courses were were paired with a different wine. And in that particular case, you, you, you drink. You don't spit. You're actually having dinner with a bunch of other people. So that would be kind of rude. So does this mean you're quite hungover today? No, it's uh, I, I've been on sort of a low-carb diet over the last little while, so I... Because <laughs> I was going to say, that wine, that'll go straight to your thighs, sister. Uh, so, but the, with, the, with the sugar and the carbohydrates I had yesterday and the rich food, and uh, I was in Montreal for a couple of days, there might have been some poutine involved. Man. Yeah, I'm, I'm paying for my sins. I just don't, I don't have a headache, I just don't feel right. You know what you need? A wafer-thin mint. <laughs> it's only a wafer-thin. Look, I couldn't eat another thing. I'm absolutely stuffed. Bugger-horse. That was the last thing that they had at dinner last night. And I thought, I'm not going to have this. <laughs> I, it was too nice a room for me to explode all over the place. Another bucket for monsieur. And perhaps a hose. From the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, now with 1.2 billion subscribers on iTunes and GeoCities, this is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth, featuring musical guest Sting. How long do you give a new track before you hit the skip button? We'll tell you why the compact disc player is to blame for our shrinking musical attention spans. Think your music is cool? Of course you do. That's why you need a pair of warehouse headphones that let you share your tracks with your fellow commuters. If you're like me, and I know I am, you've got stacks of old technology building up in the basement. We'll introduce you to a guy who will clear all that out for you for cash, maybe. Plus, a GNB update on why your Uber driver hates Uber and give thanks to 30% of our audience in Kuala Lumpur. And now, Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. So how long do you listen to a song for before you hit the skip button? Quite a bit. This all goes back to 1986 when I got my very first CD player. It was a little techniques thing. And one of the things that I was fascinated by was the fact it had a skip button. So I could put in a CD, and if I didn't like the song, I just had to hit the skip button on the remote, and I would go immediately to the next song. And for somebody who had been, you know, who grew up with the, with the LP, where if you wanted to skip a song, that meant you had to get up, walk across the room, lift the needle up, put it down on the next track, and so on. This was kind of revelatory. And I don't think we've ever really... Well, this was the beginning of a very slippery slope with humanity uh, and our attention span when it came to music. Sometimes you need to be exposed to a song unintentionally a number of times before you 
figure out that you like the song. It's that repeated unintentional exposure. And with the skip button, we could circumvent that. We didn't have to be unintentionally exposed to anything if we had control over the skip button because we could just move on to whenever we found a song that we didn't like. And as we got deeper and deeper into the digital era, we began to skip more and more songs. So there is a, a study, and I've seen a number of these studies, that say that we tend to abuse the skip button or <laughs> make merry with the skip button quite a bit? Hey, I don't know that abuse is the right way to describe it because this is your uh, guttural in instinctual reaction to the track. One in four of us will skip a song within the first five seconds. Right. 29% within the first 10. About a third of us will actually give the song at least 30 seconds. But Half of us, almost half of us, will skip a song before it's finished. We've we listen to the song. We've we've, uh, and we want to move on very quickly. Okay, but you bring up the whole compact disc era where you didn't have to fast forward or rewind a track. It was so easy to move from track one to track two. That's a similar sort of thing that's built into the streaming music business. However, because of the, the free nature of a lot of those services, you are limited as to the number of skips you can do. So you become actually quite judicious about it. Well, that's true. And I think that's one of the reasons the limited skip function was put into a lot of the licensing agreements. It's uh, it, it's not it's it's even for the um, for the paid services. You only get to skip so many songs per hour. The free ones, I think it's six songs. Right. After that, I'm not sure what it is for, for the paid versions. So um, and you can't skip back, which is another thing. Right. You can only skip forward. So. Uh, maybe we'll give songs a little more leeway before we decide that we don't want to hear them. Well, because you now have a limited number of skips. Writing in Music 3.0, the website, uh, which is where we're getting all of these uh, figures from, if you listen to 60 minutes worth of music, you skip on average... 14.6 times an hour. And if you're mobile, it's actually substantially more than that compared to a desktop user. Yeah, I'm not surprised because you've got the thing in your hand anyway, right? Well, the thing about a desktop user, too, is chances are you're doing other things at the time, so you're not as focused on the music as you would be in mobile, where it's frequently you're running, you're jogging, you're, you're on transit, that sort of thing. You're far more engaged with the music you're listening to. I'm totally um, guilty of this, too, because when I go out running and I need a, a boost uh, or a song will come on that I don't really like, um, I'll, I'll skip right away. In fact, uh, it doesn't. Yeah. If you have an iPod or an iPhone, there's that function. It's uh, shake to skip. Have you ever seen that in the. Yes, uh, in the, I've seen that. Yeah. Which is really kind of annoying when you're <laughs> when you're jogging. Never my problem, pal. <laughs> it, it's, it's, you never have to actually even hit the skip button. You just give your iPhone a shake. It's like giving your head a shake. Yeah, kind of. So I, I lament this a little bit because I wish we gave songs, you know, more of a chance to burn into our brains. Because this is the whole idea with any sort of hit. It, and this is it's been going on for for since we had music publishing back in the in the 1800s, where you have to hear a song a number of times before you realize you like it. And if you have a skip button that allows you to skip past something that you don't immediately like, which which concerns me, because does this have an effect on songwriting? Do we have songwriters who are now creating songs designed to foil the skip button? And what's wrong with that? 
when it, when it comes down to it, because I, I sort of treat the skip button with new music much like you treat people you meet. You're willing to give someone a certain amount of your attention or time, but you have to make a decision fairly quickly as to whether or not this is someone you want to have in your life for any l significant length of time, because there are just simply so many people out there. Similarly, same thing for music. So you're, you're going to be inclined to go, no, you know what? I'm only 30 seconds into this, but it hasn't hooked me. I'm waiting for a track that hooks okay, me. Okay, so there there's the problem. It hasn't hooked you because you haven't got to the chorus yet. I'll wait for the chorus. If you haven't hooked me at the chorus, I'm done. But the chorus doesn't necessarily come in in 30 seconds. The chorus can take up to a minute to come in. That's true. And, you know, is it about the beat? You know, is it about, do you put the chorus up front? Do you, you know, emphasize the beat? You know, what about songs with multiple movements that build? You know, maybe you don't like the first movement of a song that turns out to be pretty awesome in two minutes, but you've never heard it because you never give it a chance. Which brings us full circle back to that whole rewind, fast forward idea. And you've got these, you've got an interesting start to this article we found courtesy of Gizmag, which is the social listening headphones, headphones that allow you to share what you're listening to to somebody else. You start by pointing out that the first Sony Walkman in 1979 came with not one, but two headphone jacks. The chairman of Sony at the time didn't believe that anybody would want to seal themselves off and the rest of humanity with a pair of headphones listening to music. And he insisted that there be two headphone jacks so you could listen with a friend. Boy, was he ever wrong. No kidding. That lasted one iteration of the of the original Sony Walkman uh, in 1979, and uh, then we went back to the or went to the, the the single headphone jack. Take a cassette out of its case, and most people just see an empty box, but Sony saw something quite different. Sony introduces the only cassette player as small as a cassette case. The incredible sounding Super Walkman. So now we've got this thing from a company called Warehouse. They uh, actually contacted me. I was hoping that they were going to offer us some uh, some headphones, but they didn't. We got to give a pair of these away. It's a Kickstarter, isn't it? I know. It's it's, it's a great idea. So the, basically, what it is is a pair of uh, wireless headphones that allows you to pair with another Warehouse headphones user, so you can listen to the same thing uh, simultaneously. It's basically going back to 79 and the two headphone jacks, Sony Walkman. The neat thing about this is that if two of you are wearing the warehouse, H-A-U-S, the warehouse headphones, you've got a, a unique color identification that lights up around the side of the headphone. And if you come across someone else who has these headphones, you can synchronize your colors. And once you've synchronized your colors, you can actually hear what the other person's listening to. I think that's kind of cool. Maybe a bit creepy. Yes. Maybe if, if you're listening to something that uh, you might find embarrassing for other people to know about. I told you the time that uh, the headphone jack came unplugged on my Sony Ericsson cell phone slash MP3 player, and it routed the audio directly to the speaker. And there I was on the Red Rocket in downtown Toronto in the height of morning rush hour. And... America started blaring through the, the speaker on it, and I, I had to pull the battery out. I couldn't get that thing turned off fast enough. What, what was the song? Horse With No Name. That's not a terrible America song. At least it wasn't Lonely People, which would have been really funny. <laughs> <laughs> which would probably resemble me back in 1998. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's fine. That was before you got married, wasn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah, I have no idea what she sees in me. Ever wanted to be a big shot co-producer? It's just like Hollywood. Visit geeksandbeats.com to learn how you can pad your resume with an exciting show credit. We'll even send you the album cover of your episode, suitable for framing in your parents' basement. You're listening to Geeks and Beats on iTunes, Stitcher, and the Bell Media Radio Network. Techniques is uh, getting back into the home audio business with a high-res audio service, no less. Well, Techniques was a very good audio manufacturer. Earlier on, we were talking about the very first CD player I had. It was a Techniques. As was mine. Yeah. And I had a, a, a lot of Techniques stuff. Here in my home studio, I actually have a Techniques SL1200 turntable, which I still believe to be the best turntable ever built. It's the one where you can tell whether it's actually at the proper speed by whether or not the little black bars line up while it's spinning and you look at the little prism. It's uh, it's not dots. It's not bars. It's dots. Right. And uh, this one, uh, and the motor is is indestructible. The tone arm is fantastic. I mean, this was this turntable here, which I'm uh, patting lovingly right now, is uh, was was the turntable to use if you were uh, a nightclub DJ because it could take so much abuse and never complain. So after Techniques got out in 2010 from the home audio market, uh, courtesy of the problems of Panasonic, their parent company, now they're getting back into the market with a music downloading service. So the new thing seems to be these high-res, high-resolution audio services. Deezer has one that plays through the Sonos system. Techniques has this one, which... Um, they say sounds really, really good. I've got an invitation in a week or two to experience Sony's new high-res audio, uh, all of which makes me kind of happy, really, because we've been degrading the sound that we listen to for quite some time because of MP3s and crappy earbuds. So now that people are actually getting into the getting back into the idea of true high fidelity, digital high fidelity, but still better than what we've got, um, I'm... I'm I'm, I'm encouraged by this. It does my heart good. Geeks and Beats writer Patrick Charles has sent us a link to uh, a site that tests whether or not your hearing actually can tell whether or not you're using high-res audio. I gave it three or four shots, and I couldn't get it right any time. Really? I can't tell whether or not it's you know super ultra high resolution audio or, or I mean, maybe it's just because I'm over the age of thirty and now my hearing's degraded. Well, I don't know. I'm gonna. I didn't. Why didn't I see that one? Is and who is this guy? When did we hire him? Oh, P Patrick's burned his way up to the top of the charts here as far as contributors. He's got twenty three articles probably over the course of the last month and a half. He's now outpaced Matthew Smith and Matt Padani to take the number one position as a GNB writer. We're going to have to have... Yeah, I got to tell you, dude, this Christmas party is getting bigger and bigger. We got 14 people yeah, working on the show now. 14? 14. You got to check it out because I swear to God, I don't care how great your ears are tuned in. You hit a certain age, you're not going to notice that it's ultra high definition audio. But you know what it comes down to is there are a whole bunch of uh, components that we've got lying around here. And this is my desperate attempt as a segue into uh, Refresh Tech. You want to talk to these guys? Why? I want to talk to them because I have a bunch of gear here in the house that I need to get rid of. I am a gadget hoarder, not because I want to be, but because stuff just continually piles up in my house. And there's uh, there are a number of... of um, services in the United States that you can pay to take stuff off your hands. 
Uh, Gazelle is one of them. You send them your old iPhone, your old, uh, you know, gadgets, and they will either resell them or they'll recycle them in an environmentally friendly way. And you found a Canadian company that does this now? All right, well, let's bring in Mark Yeomans. He's the man behind it. Mark, good to have you with us. Got to love technology. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have a whole bunch of gadgets in my house. They range from old cell phones that are worth absolutely nothing, but contain many, many, many rare earth elements that will probably be useful somewhere, <laughs> to all the way up to, uh, I have a 42-inch and a 50-inch Panasonic Plasma televisions. Unfortunately, oh. they're 1080i. Right. And I want to get rid of these things. I. Uh, and how do I do that? You just you give us a call, and we'll we'll come by at a time that's convenient for you or your wife. And we'll pick it up. Really? Yep. It's that simple. And what will you give me in return? Anything? Uh, well, depending on the vintage, Alan. It, uh, based on what you tell me, there's the vintage is way too old, so there's no value. So it'd be basically just uh, electronic waste. Do you know how much I spent on this this 50 inch plasma TV? Probably in the thousands of dollars. Eight or nine years ago. Wow, really? We have we have devices in our warehouse right now that probably eight years ago were worth a million dollars. It's worth pennies on the dollar now, purely for the weight. You're kidding? Absolutely not. All right. Well, okay. What what will you pay me for? For example, <laughs> I, I've got some old iPhones. I've got some old right. iPads. I've got, uh, I, you know, some old stereo equipment. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the way it would work is that we pick it up, we bring it back, and we actually do a triage. We, so we figure out what has value based on fair market value of what, today. Okay, is it sellable? Is it vintage too, is it too old or not? And if there's value there, we look at fair market value and that's what we give you uh, as, as a trade-in. So there's some value recovery on some items and possibly not others. Hmm. So we have to physically see it. At most times we actually, I mean, our, a lot of our people that we do uh, business with, we are allowed to pick up and we do an audit and from that audit we, 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 you know, we get back results saying, okay, this is good, this is bad, the good stuff this is what it's worth. All right, so it doesn't really matter whether or not I get anything for it. My point is that I want it out of the house and I want it recycled in an environmentally yeah, friendly way. Absolutely, but the, the advantage of being with us is we also have a reselling arm, a refurbishing arm that we can refurbish and we can resell some of the items that you may deem not valuable anymore. So there may be some value returned back to you. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through my office and I'm going to go through my basement and I'm going to put together a nice big pile of stuff. <laughs> now, it, it sounds to me like you have a lot of stuff. Uh, I, I, I bet you I have more than I even know. <laughs> That's pretty scary. It, it, it is. But again, you know, I, I, I don't want to throw this stuff out because that would be irresponsible. Um, I can't recycle it in any particular way in my household. And I think that some of this stuff does have some kind of value, at least yep. for something, even for scrap. Well, you know, like, like the iPhones will have some value, the iPads, you know, Apple uh, seems to retain a lot of their value a lot longer than some of the window products. Okay. Well, there is a demand for Apple. All right. So here's what I'm going to do is I'm going to make that pile. I'm going to call you. You're going to come to the house, and uh, we'll do a little bit of um, uh, we'll do an inventory and see what we can get out of this. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll do a little discovery. You know, maybe it's like a, a, an episode of Discovery or something like that. Okay, and then we'll report back. And we'll make it all disappear. And like I said, it will never hit landfill. It, it, it you know, it goes through a process that is government approved. It's audited. Excellent. Thank no you for problem. taking some time, Mark. No problem. Okay, I will report back what on what happens with. Sounds this. more like you need to be on an episode of Hoarders. 
No, it's not. Again, I'm not hoarding anything. <laughs> I Yeah, your wife's on your butt to get that stuff out of here. I've seen your house. You buy as much crap as I do. Boy. <laughs> Own one of the craptastic mugs of the world's most popular podcast and support the show. You, too, can use the power of science to hold liquids, both hot or cold. Visit geeksandbeats.com today. Time now for a Geeks and Beats update. London, Bangkok, New York, Cincinnati. From the worldwide headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, this is a GNB News Update. We have a new co producer. Who is this person? 15 years running, I've had a crush on Shannon Simpson. She opened her wallet and spent 25 bucks. <laughs> she's a friend of a friend. Actually, she's the sister of a friend who long before I met my wife went, there's no way that girl would give me the time of day. Now she's given me 25 bucks. Wow. I sh- she feels guilty. She's trying to make up for lost time. <laughs> do, do I owe her something? I, I, I don't know. Is, do you feel awkward? I feel a little dirty about this. Oh, you do? You feel dirty and awkward. <laughs> That's Okay. Well, I don't. Uh, thank you for your money, Shannon. We'll put it towards this Christmas party with 14 people. Yes. We, we now have 14 people on staff, including an HR guy, <sighs> Darren Seminelli. So Shannon opened her wallet by going to geeksandbeats.com slash donate. She gets herself a credit as the co-producer of this particular week's episode. And we sent her the album art suitable for framing and hanging in her basement where she can look at it and wonder what on earth she did with her life. Or what might have happened had I answered Michael's advances? No, no, I never made any advances. That's that's part of the nerd problem that this boy has. Yeah, I know I was there. Geeks and Beats Mug Tour 2014 update as well. I want to say thanks to Scott Michael in Kuala Lumpur, who went out and bought himself a G&B Miracle Travel Mug of Traveling. Is this the farthest we've managed to reach so far, Kuala Lumpur? I think it is. I'm on the uh, stats page right now for who downloads our uh, show. And right now we have three people in Kuala Lumpur, and Scott Michael is one of them. Maybe because he's got two first names, he might actually qualify for two out of the three. (laughs) That's interesting. So one-third of our Malaysian audience owns a Miracle Travel Mug of Traveling. We need you to uh, go to Twitter and add the hashtag GN, as in Norman, B. Mug Tour 2014, as Victor Biggio launched at the beginning of this year, uh, one of our regular listeners. Uh, Claude Caron in Timmins also uh, put himself out there and bought himself one of these fabulous mugs you keep talking about. So uh, if you are interested, go to geeksandbeats.com swag. You can support the show by buying this outrageously overpriced mug that every episode Alan goes on about how great it is. It is. So thank you very much. It's absolutely fantastic. And I'm not just saying that. It is my official sippy cup. And I cannot have coffee in the morning without this uh, uh, appliance, this, this, this device, because it is the best coffee mug I have, I have ever had. Can I make a, um, a, another plea for production music? What is wrong with the work I'm doing that you think that we need to convince somebody to work for free to add more stinger, zappy music to the show? Well, I think it would be very cool if we had specific music designed just for the Geeks and Beats update, just for, like some sort of um, herald for when we announce the co-producer of the show. Uh, maybe we should have something that uh, advertises, maybe we can get like a 30-second commercial built for uh, the Ge- uh, Geeks and Beats mug. 
Uh, there's lots of things we could do. You know, people have listened to this program, but this is number what, 83? 82. 82. So they've listened to this program for, for quite some time now. They know that we have all these different features and segments. Uh, they know the character and the, uh, the, the the tone and the vibe of the show. There's got to be some sort of musical stuff that, that people would like to contribute. I think that would be very cool. I, I would appreciate it. And then you could sit there with, uh, you know, like a, a morning zoo DJ and just hit these weird little stingers and things as, you know, I say something or as you say something or as we do something. I think it'd be very cool. We, we need to up our game. If we can have 14 writers on staff, yes, we can have one producer. 13 writers and one HR department guy. We're completely screwed because none of these people are getting paid for this job. Well, I, I know. And, and <laughs> I haven't even met with HR yet. Um, but look at If you are an amateur producer and you want, hey, listen, you want your, you need, you need to build a portfolio, right? Nobody's buying this, dude. I'm, let's see. I'm going to continue until I get a jingle. I want uh-huh, a jingle. Fine. Are you an Uber user? Because apparently the drivers hate working for them. Well, I was in Montreal last week standing on Saint Laurent, and I was with a woman from San Francisco. And I needed a cab because I was going back to the hotel and she was going off to another meeting. So I was standing there freezing my butt off looking for a cab. And she whipped out her phone. And within three minutes, an Uber car pulled up and took her off to her next meeting. I, on the other hand, stood there for another 15 minutes waiting for an official Montreal cab to come by. So in the cab, on my way back to the hotel, I signed up for Uber. I haven't used it yet. Wow. But I'm going to this coming Friday because we have a get-together with some friends, uh, and I don't want to drive there or back. Then here's what I need you to do. You need to talk to your Uber driver because Shelly Walia at QZ.com, you know the Quartz.com website? Yeah. Uh, she spent some time talking talking to a uh, 49-year-old uh, Uber driver, Uber SUV driver, which apparently that's you pay a little bit more for the SUVs versus the regular vehicles, uh, in uh, Brooklyn, New York. And they had been working, he had been working as, an, uh, as a driver since 1986, first as a private luxury car company guy, and now he's at Uber. And there was this fascinating article that basically explained that since 2012, when the guy lost his car to Hurricane Sandy, rented out a new one, got hooked up with Uber, and and there's no training. He quotes, basically, they hire people from the gutter. They just need bodies. Uh, they don't really have any physical contracts. And that's uh, you have to, because you can uh, rate your Uber experience at the end of every drive, you have to maintain an average above a certain level. Otherwise, you can get fired, even though you went out and bought this vehicle yourself. Well, have you taken a regular taxi cab lately? How is that, first of all, how is that any different from any of the cabs you've been in. Well, most of the cabbies don't actually own the vehicles that they're driving. These are owned by people who own the plates. Yeah, I, I don't care. I mean, when was the last time you were in a clean cab? When was the last time you were in a cab? Oh, where... come on. Toronto cabs are pretty good, all things considered. Oh, no, they're not. Come on. They all smell of vom- vomit and smoke. No way. They're, they're, <laughs> if there was one industry that is ripe for some kind of hardcore disruption. It is the taxi industry. Oh, I don't disagree with you at all in any way, shape, or form. The industry needs to be changed. You get these poor sons of who don't own their cabs and they're getting paid a pittance because some you know 87-year-old woman whose husband 40 years ago used to drive a cab and got himself a license, she's now living off the proceeds of that. That's a, that's a whole different, uh, very easily disruptible line of work. And 
to your point, absolutely. You know, Toronto is battling with them right now. New York's sort of lost the love affair with Uber on the whole, and San Francisco is having problems as well. Let alone the, the PR disaster that came out of the company, knowing that they can actively track you. Yeah, they can. Well, okay. And then on top of that, they gouge you, we're being told by BuzzFeed and, and others in this world, saying that, you know, when you have a, a big event like a New Year's Eve type party, suddenly the Uber rates go through the roof. You can't do that in a traditional taxi environment. No, you can't. But um, I, okay, look, at. let me get back to you after my experience this coming Friday. I'll let you know. I'd love to hear what you have to say. Never done an Uber in Toronto. I will let you know how it works. And I'll, and I'll ask the driver. I'll probably get, I'll get two different drivers. And I'll figure out, uh, I'll, I'll ask each one of them, which one is, uh, you know, what's their, what's their experience been like? One of the things that, that I, the reason I'm doing this, the reason I signed up, not only because I was standing on a Montreal street for 20 minutes in the cold, but because the Toronto, uh, Toronto city hall has launched this war on Uber Yes, and, uh, the misinformation that's coming out of that whole witch hunt has made me think, okay, that's it. I'm going to Uber because you people are full of crap. I don't believe your argument. The mayor elect is in favor of it. So there's a good chance that there's going to be some support behind this at the end of the day. Well, we'll see. And uh, I will give it a shot and I will return with my report next week. The thing is, is the city of Toronto may be barking up the wrong tree. Uber can pretty much afford to keep going and paying the fines and all of that. Forget the $250 million that Uber recently raised in a, a round of funding, making the company worth about $3.5 billion. It gets about 79,000 new signups per week, according to Business Insider. Com, and it generates nearly $20 million in revenue per week. Really? The average number of rides, 1.1 million, and about 800,000 of them end up actually getting completed. So the active number of clients in a five-week period was about 430,000. The company makes an absolute ton of money, regardless as to whether or not the municipality supports them. Think the internet is cool? Geeksandbeats.com is now available on computers. Read the stories the boys are talking about, stream the latest episode, and get caught up on back issues of the world's most popular podcast, geeksandbeats.com. Also available on CD-ROM. Show your love of the world's most popular podcast, but don't want to open your wallet? Rate and review The Big Show on iTunes and Stitcher. We're not above bribing you either. The craziest review could win you free crap from the Geeks and Beats swag store. I love this time suck you recently posted to geeksandbeats.com. Oh, you've seen this? The YouGov? The uh, fan profiler? Yeah courtesy of YouGov. Yeah, now, Gov has it has nothing to do with any form of government whatsoever. It's a profiling engine. So you go to yougov.co.uk, and you get a window, and it says, search for any brand, person, or thing. So give me something. I punched in Kate Bush. Okay, so let's put in Kate Bush. It's formulating a profile based upon 5,695 individuals who claim to like Kate Bush. Right, so here it goes. And the answer is... It's in the trees. It's coming. When I was a child, running in the night, afraid of what I might be, hiding in the dark, hiding in the street, 
demographics, 40 to 59, that's accurate. Uh-huh. Gender is generally male. Okay. And the social grade is C. C to DE, what does that mean? Basically, I would rather keep to myself. What's interesting about YouGov profiles, and you go to the yougov.co.uk, is that it's not specifically um, that all Kate Bush fans are between 40 and 59. They're male. They tend to have typical professions in info technology, engineering, or transport and logistics. This is a, a, an interesting marketing exercise for the marketing industry as to what makes a particular standout person in that brand area. Oh, look at this. The typical Kate Bush fan likes cats. <laughs> yes. The, it is most likely that if you have a pet, your pet is a cat and that your uh, general interests are politics, exhibitions, science. Your favorite dishes include, well, chicken, potato, and lime pickle. Your most likely car is a Suzuki, a brand that's not even sold in Canada anymore. No, admittedly, this is British here, but it's fascinating. You hit the personality option on it, and it quotes things that you that the standout person who is a Kate Bush fan, and again, you punch in anything to get this, uh, is, uh, is most likely to believe, quote, across history, religion has done more bad than good. <laughs> I feel bombarded by advertising. I, ten I tend to mute the adverts on TV. Now, so far, three out of three for me. And number th four... Fav number four, the world is controlled by a secretive elite. <laughs> okay, now, you, now you've lost me. All right. Favorite movie? It's a Doctor Who movie. Doesn't surprise me. I am a huge Doctor Who fan. Uh, favorite TV show? Interesting. Twin Peaks. I, I also punched this in for Star Trek for you. Oh, what did you get? The favorite movies, the favorite TV shows are all exclusively Star Trek related. <laughs> Let's, okay, let me do it. Hang on, hang on. In other words, you don't really get out much. Oh, wait, but we get to, okay, Star Trek movie, Star Trek TV program. So I'm going to go to Star Trek. I, I punched in the TV program because I know that was the, the beginning of Star Trek for you. Oh, N equals 298 in this one. So your sample size is very small. Which is weird because there are a lot of Star Trek nerds out there to be able to, to plug into this. You can actually take part in the survey itself by clicking the take part button and it'll run you through a whole bunch of things. Okay, what is my favorite food as a Star Trek fan? Irish stew. No. <laughs> Raspberry cream tart, bratwurst, mince and tatties. No. What is it? Just try it. You see? It's an earth drink. Prune juice. Warrior's drink. Earth females are too fragile. If you want to experiment with this, just go to geeksandbeats.com. Oh, this is, yeah, you'll be there for a while. <laughs> yeah. Coca-Cola. I don't know why. Sorry, I'm back on this other thing. Uh, Coke Zero. Oh, see, now we've lost you. Identifying customers of Coke Zero. 2,141 customers of Coke Zero. Hang on, I just want to do this one more. Just one more, and we'll go into this, this record thing. I promise. I promise. Okay, male, yes. Uh, oh, I'm older than the average Coke Zero user. Uh, my politics apparently are to the left. My typical profession is consulting. That's true. My monthly spare uh, spare money is up to a thousand pounds. I'm I'm doing very well. You are doing quite well. And and if in fact you did live in the United Kingdom, you would most likely live in Central Scotland. And my favorite dishes, number one by a mile, is the vanilla milkshake followed by a melee prawn satay, and chimichangas. Okay. Well, that explains why you don't get out much. 
sorry, um, but I say yougov.co.uk. Uh, you'll be there for a while. All right. Now that you're done, let's talk about the most valuable record in the universe. Yeah, this is interesting. On July 18th, 1953, this young Chuck truck driver walks into a Memphis recording studio and he has $4 in his pocket. He says, I would like to record two songs for my mom. So they got him to the studio and they cut an acetate of my happiness on side one. And that's when your heartache begins on side two. This one-of-a-kind acetate, this cheap self-press demo, was the first recording made by a young Elvis Presley. Evening shadows make me blue When each weary day is through How I long to be with you My Every day I reminisce, dreaming of your tender kiss, always thinking how I miss my happiness. Years it seems have gone by since we shared our dreams But I hold you again There'll be no blue memories then And this was the record that made Sun Records owner Sam Phillips perk up his ears haul all this back into the studio to record a few more tracks and well you know the rest so this is the ur record of of rock and roll if you look at it in a specific you know if you look at it in a specific light in a specific perspective so this very fragile super super rare acetate still exists and it's going up for auction in january and nobody nobody knows how much this thing is going to go for at least half a million dollars but sky's the limit after that do you really attribute the birth of rock and roll to elvis presley oh yeah i mean he was the one who not necessarily the guy who gave birth to it but the guy who gave it the kick in the pants that it needed to become this massive social and, and uh, demographic phenomenon absolutely critics will argue that he basically stole from the black community and the remarkable music that was being made back in the south in, in the early days in, in the early 50s and and well into the 60s and that he basically made it more palatable to a, a racist white audience uh i wouldn't go quite that far but sam phillips did say if i could find a uh, a white man a white boy who could sing like uh you know a black one he would make a bazillion dollars and that's exactly what happened there was a certain amount of cultural theft uh co-option going on here but i mean this is how the blues and rhythm and blues and country and hillbilly music all came together and that result was was rock and roll. So, uh, you know, there is no one father of rock and roll, but there certainly is a guy that kicked it in the pants and made it happen, and that would be Elvis. January 8th of 2015, 80th birthday. Yeah. Had he still been alive today, what a thing that would have been to have Elvis Presley still in this world at age 80. Yeah, we forget that he died at 42. 
which was really, really young. Yeah, which was like, I, I just turned 43. I'm like, at least I beat Elvis. <laughs> I know. His doctor pronounced him dead at 3 o'clock this afternoon. The end at an early age of one of the two most spectacular careers in the history of American entertainment, the other being Frank Sinatra's. Long after he became an institution, here was how Presley looked and sounded on an NBC television special four seasons ago. And when, when, I, when Elvis died, and I remember exactly where I was, it was with my dad in the front seat of a car going west on Portage Avenue in Winnipeg when the news came over the radio. And I remember thinking, wow, 42, the guy was old. Bob Marley, meantime, at least someone using his name, has branded legal marijuana with his likeness. You know, this is um, part of the Marley Estate in Jamaica. The Marley Estate is very, very powerful. They uh, put, uh, they're the people who are in charge of licensing all things Bob Marley. Including the coffee that I get every morning at the commissary here at uh, 299 Queen? Correct. This is all the Marley Estate. Um, and now they want to get into the legal marijuana business, so they have Marley Natural, which offers heirloom Jamaican cannabis strains inspired by those Bob Marley enjoyed. You know, in 20 years from now, we're going to look back on this era of, of uh, pot criminalization and go, what were, we th what were we thinking? Because this is going to be a multi, multi-billion dollar business. It's already, what, $2 billion a year in the United States for legal marijuana. That's right. So you're going to see this, this market increase. And um, if, if I'm the Marley people, I want to get in on board right now. I can get uh, on the ground floor of, of what's going to be this explosive growth in this industry. I mean, I don't partake in this stuff, but I can understand if it's going to be a legal product that, listen, you might as well have brands that you can trust, right? <laughs> and what, 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 would sell, what would sell more Bud than a Bob Marley version? <laughs> Seriously. I hear you. So good luck to the Marley estate, and I, and I hope you uh, corner the market. I agree. Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes. And watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code 323-319-NERD. Follow the stories on Twitter, Facebook, and get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.